ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. We are wrapping up our Titus 2 study. That is so hard to believe. <laughs> but Denise is here with me again, and we just have this one and then one more to go through. Wow. Um, and it will have been a year of going through this book, but I think it was a year well spent. Yes, I do too. Yes. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I have as well. And so, okay, let's just kind of recap. We started at the beginning t- looking at the book as a whole, looking at Crete and this command given to Titus and all of that, which led us into we've just been working our way one thing to the next. What are the characteristics of the aged women? What are the things that they should be teaching to the younger women? And mm-hmm. we wrapped that up in last month's podcast episode. So this month, we are going to kind of go back to Titus 1 a little bit, and we just want to talk about Titus, an example of the believers. Um, In this part, Paul gives some things to Titus that as the pastor of this church, Mm -hmm. as the minister, as the leader here in this ministry, there are different things that are to be characteristics of his life. But I think it's really interesting. Um, I see some parallels between Titus and and Timothy as Paul instructs Timothy. Yes. And um, in 1 Timothy 4, 2, he gives that, you know, let no man despise thy youth. But he says, but be thou an example of the believers. Now, obviously, there is a different role that a pastor has um, than, you know, the congregation. Um, But... The pastor is to set this example in these different attributes, these different characteristics mm-hmm. as well, what is an example? It is something for someone else to follow. So I think that there's truth that we can glean in Titus 1 from this list that Paul gives to Titus of things that are to be growing and maturing in his own life. But these aren't things that we can just say, oh, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor's wife, so I have no responsibility here. These are things that should also be growing in our life as we are looking um, to the shepherd that God has given us in Mm -hmm. our church as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Titus verse 5, he says, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set things in order, the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And that's where we're going to start. Now, we've talked about Crete a lot, so I won't dive in too much there. Um, But we know that this is a a wicked pagan culture. All of these things that we're going to talk about in today's episode were not characteristics of the people on the island of Crete. If anything, it was probably the antithesis. Mm -hmm. Um, But Paul gives Titus this command, stay here, stay in this difficult place. Mm-hmm. set things in order. And then he went beyond that and said, ordain elders in every city. And this made me think of 2 Timothy 3.14, when Paul says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And and I see that parallel here. He's telling Titus here, like he told Timothy, learn, grow, continuing these things, and then pass that on. Mm-hmm. Ordain elders, teach other people that can then broaden the right. gospel influence. Because an elder cannot do that by himself. Mm-hmm. There has to be a group of people, it, maybe not a huge group. God can do, you know, wonderful things with 12 disciples, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the pastor does not do it alone. Yes. So knowing 
what the qualifications or what the uh, characteristics of a bishop is. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps the congregation know what kind of person they want in that position. Mm-hmm. But it also um, should be, like you said, reflective of the congregation as well. We are to have the same kind of characteristics as well. Um, so, yeah, it, this setting in order was going to be a cooperative mm-hmm. uh, for these congregations. And there apparently was going to be a congregation in every city yes. since he was to ordain an elder in every city. Mm-hmm. So, And I think of that verse, be ye holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't a mm-hmm. command given to a pastor or a pastor's wife or the pastor's mm-hmm. children. That was a command given to everyone who right. trusts on the Lord as right. their Savior. And, and in that thought, as we go through this, these lists, these are things that beget holiness. These right. are things that make us more like Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really wanted to give a whole episode here, just going through some of these things that Paul tells Titus, hey, these should be things in your life. Mm-hmm. He's an example. We are all to be holy. And if you notice, he was in Crete, mm-hmm. a very wicked place. So we really can't use the excuse yes. that we're in a hard place. Um, so I kind of substituted that for me uh, instead of Crete, it's Clinton, Tennessee mm-hmm. for you in the near future, Australia. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where we're at or how wicked it is. That's not an excuse for us not to have these characteristics mm-hmm. or to do the things that he has commanded us to do. And I think the amazing thing is sometimes we can be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to, you know, gird my loins and stand here and fight. <laughs> But I'm going to do it all alone because mm-hmm. I'm the oddball. I'm the set-apart one. Yeah. But obviously here, if he is ordaining elders, that means that there are other people being influenced right. by Titus's example that are not just coming to know Christ, but that are growing to the point of then being leaders, being bishops, being pastors of other congregations. So right. I think that is a good reminder that, yes, we can't use the excuse that it's just too wicked here, Lord, right. I can't do it. Right. But beyond that, when we say, okay, I'm going to set your things in order and I'm going to stick by that, that we can then have the hope and the promise that God's word will not return void. Right. And we can have an influence on those around us. And not everyone is going to accept the gospel message. Right. But there are those that will. And there are those lives that will be changed, which means we have a responsibility to be sharing that because we never know who person is going to be, right. that God is going to transform. Well, and that word continue also, mm-hmm. but continue thou in the things. It may take a long time to see conversion. We hear missionary stories and we hear of, of people who've preached for a long time and um, no, not one convert, you know, mm-hmm. um, Jeremiah, we think of Jeremiah, but we are to continue, mm-hmm. continue doing what the Lord has instructed us to do. I'm we thinking, don't give I up. I cannot remember the missionary, but there is a missionary that gave his whole life to a people, yes. died with no converts. Yeah. But it was after his death that so-and-so found a track or so-and-so right. was influenced by somebody that the missionary had influenced. And right. fruit abounded to his account, but it was not something that he ever saw on the right. earth. So we just have to, to believe forward in the power mm-hmm. of the gospel and trust that the Lord is at work. Continue thou in the things. Mm-hmm. And we've learned a lot of things as we went through this study. (laughs) Exactly. So we're going to continue on. So I'm just going to go through um, this list. And really, as I studied this out, Denise, I kind of did this in the way that you have been teaching me is just line upon line, precept upon precept. 
what does the Greek say? What is the <laughs> definition of these words? And trying to get God's heart on right. these different things. Right. So the first one we come to, it says, if any be blameless. Now, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he said that he must be one who lies not under an ill character, but rather must have good report, even from those that are without, not grossly or scandalously guilty, so as would bring reproach on the holy function. He must not be such a one. We talked last time about how when you don't have things in order, that it it blasphemes the word of God. Right. And this is what it's talking about. You know, we can see that word blameless and think, well, that's something I can never attain to because mm-hmm. we have the idea of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord knows we will never achieve perfection here on earth in our in our sinful right. state. But this blameless is just having um having a good report, having a good reputation, um, not only from those right within our circle, but even from those without that we have a testimony that is righteous. And recently, Simeon and I have been kind of talking a lot about the story of David. And, you know, David has this great start, and then he has this horrid sin mm-hmm. that um, not only did he commit, but he keeps hidden. Um, but just the reality of how he had this period of he he was to be blamed. Mm-hmm. He had this broken fellowship with the Lord. Um, now, thankfully, you know, Nathan comes and he turns his heart around and he asks God to create a clean heart in him. And God does. Um, so like I said, this isn't sinless perfection. This mm-hmm. is just seeking to have a right testimony. And when we mess up, because we will, right. that we get that right with God. Um, we seek to, to restore that fellowship and to walk that sanctification road. You know, because I think if we pull snips of the road, we can live under the oppression of guilt right. or of failure. But when we take that long look and say, God is doing something in my life that I just have to keep moving forward, keep going. And the Bible talks about the just man fall seven times and rise mm-hmm. back up again. You know, if there's a period of your life where you're not categorized by being this this blameless, having a good report, having a strong testimony, confess, change, get right. back on that road of sanctification. Well, you know, in the example of David, the one thing that he did not want was the Lord to remove his spirit from mm-hmm. him. He wanted the Lord more than anything else. Yes. And I think that's the key. It's always a heart issue. Mm-hmm. It's not the things, it's not the sins, it's not the activity, it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And um, and David wanted the Lord. He wanted the Lord back. And I think the most miserable person is the one who has known true fellowship with the Lord, and then that relationship is broken because of a sin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the enemy, um, the devil, will will keep a person down in their sin, like they're unworthy and mm-hmm. wallowing around in that guilt and that shame. But God is a God of restoration. And when we have taste and seen that the Lord is good, and we want that back more than anything, um, God is, He can be found. He will forgive and He will restore. Mm-hmm. And so we we it's a heart issue yes. that we want the Lord more than anything. And knowing that our sin was, the consequences of our sin were justified, mm-hmm. that that wasn't God's fault, that was our fault. Mm-hmm. We misplace the blame sometimes. And uh, we like to blame God for things, you know, even that um, should we should be blaming God the devil for, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so anyway, it just, you know, that is a heart thing, wanting the Lord more than anything. Yes. 
Um, then it keeps going here. It says, The husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. <laughs> and we've talked about the marriage relationship throughout this Titus study and how that reflects Christ and his church. And I think it's beautiful that God has given us a relationship that we can reflect that right. and that in our marriages, that we need to remember that, again, that the word of God be not blasphemed. If we are. If God is allowing our marriages to be a picture to a lost world of the unity and the fellowship that he has with his bride, the Mm -hmm. church, Mm -hmm. we need to be very careful to guard that. And then it says, having faithful children not accused of a riot or unruly. Um, You know, I have toddlers. So at first I was like, whoo. We have lots of riot and lots of unruly. Um, in the Greek, this un- word for unruly, um, it, it had the idea, though, that cannot be subjected to control, disobedient, refractory. So this is more than just immaturity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is that you really, as the parent, you have you are not having any control over your children. You're not really seeking to have control over your children. You're just doing your thing, you're letting them do their thing. And the Bible talks about that children who are are left to themselves will bring their fathers and mothers to shame. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't hear that and get so discouraged, you know, especially if you're in the little kid season like I am. Um, but, but this is, you know, just having that investment, keeping, staying with God's word, staying faithful, staying consistent. Um, and as a parent, doing what you can, because ultimately our children make their own decisions. We right. can't. Um, we can't force them to be the cookie cutter image we might want them to be. Um, but this is talking about while they're in your home, while they're under your jurisdiction, mm-hmm. to be faithful, to mm-hmm. be consistent, to be training them, um, to seek to have this order. Right. You know, as, as God has said, and to not remove God's order because that's where this, um, the characteristic of an unruly or riotous family would come in. And recognizing that, as we said in the last episode, um, we have a tendency, all Mm -hmm. children, adults, all flesh, have a tendency to insubordination. Mm -hmm. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And so, um, and ultimately, it's a hard issue Mm -hmm. again. And so... This just reminds me of the training when our children are young, we need to train for a heart change and not just behavior modification, because that behavior modification will go away when they're out of your home. And when they have the freedom to do what they want to do, they will do what they want to do. So we train and we teach when they're young um, at for a heart transformation, mm-hmm. uh, we shepherd the heart, or we we teach about their, um, show them their need for a savior, why they need a savior. That doesn't guarantee that they will um, follow that teaching or that training, but it's more than just modifying their behavior. It is a heart issue, and we always, when we pray, we need to pray for that heart. Mm-hmm. We need to pray for God to do the work that only He can do. In the heart. Um, So I was just reminded of that about these unruly children, Mm -hmm. because we all know um, families that have children that have, you know, the parents did everything right, and they have the unruly children. Um, I don't know if that's the exception or the norm. Mm -hmm. I don't know those statistics, but I do know that God is in the heart transformation business, and that's Mm -hmm. what happened to you and I. He transformed our heart, and we want that for our children as well. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think that perfectly bridges us into the next thing. So it, it can continues on, for a bishop must be blameless. We talked about this a little bit, but I want to bring out two other verses where this word blameless is used, talking about this heart transformation, something that only Christ can do. Mm-hmm. In Colossians one twenty two, it says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. 1 Corinthians 1 8 says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we are presented blameless because mm-hmm. Christ's righteousness was imputed on our mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of these things. And like we even talked about studying through in Titus 2, this is a heart work that yes. God has to do in mm-hmm. us. This is not a list that we can muster on our own. This is something that we have got to be spending time in his word, in prayer, Lord, create in me a clean heart, transform me. Right, And blameless is mentioned twice here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have learned that when God repeats himself, we need to sit up and take notice. Yes. And what is it about this word blameless? What is it about this blameless life? And you brought out two uh, really good scriptures here. God, this is important. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm thinking of a message that our pastor preached not too long ago about shipwrecked lives. Our pastor said that these shipwrecked lives were caused by two things. Um, It was a failure of faith Mm -hmm. and then a a conscience, not having a good conscience before God and Mm -hmm. men. And so being blameless essentially is having a clear conscience with God and with men. And uh, that's how we're blameless, is mm-hmm. we keep that conscience pure, clean with God and with our fellow man. Yes. Then it continues on. It says, as the steward of God. So this is, you know, really speaking as Titus is the manager of this church, the responsibility that he has to steward that well. Mm-hmm. And we might not be the steward of a church, but God has given each of us things that we are to steward for his glory. For mm-hmm. me, I have a husband. I have a marriage. I have children. Um, I have ministry opportunities. Our our domain of stewardship is going to look different for every person. Sure. Um, but we are to steward these things as unto the Lord, as He desires for us to bring Him glory. It says not self-willed. In the Greek, this word self-willed talked about self-pleasing, um, arrogant. And I feel like we see that a lot in, um, you know, I say church in air quotes today. Mm-hmm. Um, more of these big church movements, televangelism. We just see this self-consumed, self-pleasing, arrogant. Mm-hmm. The ministry is an avenue um, for self-advancement. Right. Um, and that is not what God wants in in his minister, in his the shepherds of his flock, or in any of our lives, we are not to be living unto self. We are to be humble and submitted unto God, living unto him. Right. It says not soon angry. Again, in the Greek, this translated into just prone to anger, irascible. Um, so this is just somebody that anger dominates their heart. Again, we have to have this heart transformation. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man abounded in transgression. Um, one of my children struggles with anger. And, you know, I was just praying like, Lord, how can I help them? And your voice came in my head, give them scripture, give them scripture. <laughs> and the scripture verse that came into my mind at that moment was that anger is bound in the heart of a fool. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a word that, fool is not a word we that we use flippantly. Yeah. Um, but in quoting scripture to him, you know, I, I have used that to, to say, this is what God says that a fool is, and that a 
part of being a fool is that anger is bound in your heart and you don't want to be that way. We need to let go of that and to to obey God and to not allow that to not allow ourselves to be prone to anger. Right. To not allow right. anger to control our hearts. Um, that we don't want to be the foolish person. We want to be the person that is dwelling in God. And God wisdom. just gives you a specific thing to pray for mm-hmm. for your child yes. in that in that example there. Mm-hmm. So it is scripture and prayer. Yeah. It continues on not given to wine. We've talked about this mm-hmm. in the episode of sober. Um, and, you know, there's there's so much in this little phrase. But, but the idea I think we really want to bring out here is just not giving the control of our spirit, of our soul, of our body. You know, God is this three in one. Mm-hmm. And God has created us in, in the spirit, soul, body, our our um, body, obviously the physical, you know, we have our soul, our, our emotion, the intellect, and then we have our spirit. Um, but that none of those should be controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit. Right. And when you allow something like wine or something that has that dominance over any of those parts of us, that removes something from the control that only the Holy Spirit True. is to have. And that was that was something that God or that God gave to Paul to warn Titus, hey, you're not to be giving to anything other than the Holy Spirit. Right. He continues on. He says, no striker. This talks about uh, being contentious, being quarrelsome. And, um, you know, we probably have preachers that come to mind that it just seems like they're kind of always looking to pick a fight. Right. Um, and I think... This like a chip really, on their shoulder. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and this comes into play a lot with social media culture that mm-hmm, we have. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not be prone to just be this quarrelsome, contentious person one-on-one, you know, right. because we're face-to-face and I'm going to put on my, you know, facade of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But when we're, you know, sitting in our bed late at night, it's easy to start these riots, start these um, contentious things, these quarrelsome right. things that really have no advancement in the calls of Christ. If right. anything, it does the complete opposite right. and, and makes the word of God be blasphemed. Exactly. When people see... God's people, and and specifically here, God's men that he has called out to shepherd his flock, being a striker, being a contentious, quarrelsome person. That has no place in the life of a believer. Um, Not given to filthy lucre. So this is eager for gain, greedy for money. Um, (laughs) I used this example already, but the the TV evangelism thing Mm -hmm. came back in my head. You know, they they drive the nice cars. They have the million-dollar homes. Um, And, you know, if God blesses you financially, money is not a sin. Right. It's what we do with money. It's it's the heart behind it. The um, love but here, of money. yes, exactly. God is telling Titus, do not let the love of money right. control what you do. Right. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Whatever mm-hmm. profession God has given us, whatever um, means He's allowed for us to provide for our families and for our needs, the love, the pursuit of that um, to a degree beyond stewarding well when it becomes a controlling force that i just have to have this greed of gain more and more and more it's and that could be a gain of reputation Mm -hmm. popularity um power prestige you know any of those kinds of things anything that is done for the purpose of anything other than the glory of god Mm -hmm. is wrong yes the only reason um anyone should strive for this position of bishop 
is to make the Lord known mm-hmm. and to give God all glory and honor. Yes. Um, so I, you, you know, that could extend past just money. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that out. That is that is so true. Then it goes on and says, uh, but a lover of hospitality. You know, I could probably park here and stay here for a while because hospitality is something that is on my heart. Um, But I was reading this and kind of trying to get some of the historical context. So in those days, there there was a lot of travel, um, but there weren't always good accommodations. Some of these public inns, especially, you know, during these times in these corrupt cultures, they were just kind of a place of of ill repute, of a lot of immorality. Mm -hmm. Um, So when a Christian traveled... You didn't want to take your family and stay at the local public inn. So within the church community, there created this need for hospitality, that they needed to open their homes. They need to have other believers in their homes. I've even heard before, in talking about that first century church, um, especially during a lot of the persecution you know, they couldn't have a big broadcasted sign in the front yard church mm-hmm. down the road where mm-hmm. everybody gathered. It was it had to be more intimate and more quiet and private, but this was within the homes. And I think sometimes we think of our homes as kind of, you know, our and it should be a safe place. It should be a place of retreat. Um, but we kind of tend to close it off thinking, well, this is my space. But mm-hmm. God actually says the opposite. He says you need to open your homes, you need to use hospitality. Um, to, to minister, you need to be a lover of hospitality. And I, I found this quote in this book that I'm reading about hospitality, and it's a little long, so bear with me, but it was really good. It says, through the ministry of hospitality, we share our most prized possessions. We share our family, home, finances, food, privacy, and time. Indeed, we share our very lives. So hospitality is always costly. Through the ministry of hospitality, we provide friendship, acceptance, fellowship, refreshment, comfort, and love in one of the richest and deepest ways possible for humans to understand. Unless we open the doors of our home to one another, the reality of the local church as a close-knit family of loving brothers and sisters is only a theory. A cold, unfriendly church contradicts the gospel message, yet unfriendliness stands out as one of the most common criticisms people have of local churches. It doesn't take people long to figure out that there is a churchy love among Christians that ends at the back door of the sanctuary or in the parking lot. It is superficial Sunday morning kind of love that is unwilling to venture beyond the walls of the church building. And I just, uh, yes, ouch, yes. And I think, you know what, whether it's in regards to hospitality or any part of our Christian life, I think it's easy for us to, like I said, we do the Christian thing on Sunday and then when we get in our cars, okay, well that hat goes off and we're putting on our week weekday hat. Um, When I came to this um, portion, mm -hmm. a lover of hospitality, it just stepped all over my toes. The Lord just convicted me. This is not me. Um, I do not open my home often, um, and it's it, it's wrong. I see that from God's word. I there's all kinds of different reasons. A lot of times I'm like my house is dirty, or I need to go to the grocery store, and I don't want to take the time to do that, or um, you know I just I just need quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be bothered right now. I've had a rough day. All these excuses. I know we all use them, mm-hmm. um, but when I read this quote, share our most prized possessions, you know, and, and I just wonder how close, I asked the Lord, how close am I to making an idol out of my me time, my retreat, my um, my home? You know, I don't, I don't want to have to clean it after everybody's come through <laughs> and 
tore it up, you know? Yes. Um, so am I making an idol out of my home? Am I making an idol out of my time? Um, and it was just very convicting. And we have brand new neighbors. I have to just, and this is another way that God has um, convicted me. And they have bought this home. It's an older home. And they've had to do some remodeling. And they are part of a church that really does a lot of fellowship and a lot of hospitality. And even in the midst of their construction, they are having people over and having meals together. And they're having families over. And there's children in the backyard playing all the time. And they can have 30, 40 people in their yard and in their home at the same time while they're in the middle of construction. And it has been so convicting to me to see how hospitable they are. They ask us over all the time. Um, you know, they're they're so friendly. And I really believe that God placed them there to teach me some things about hospitality. Um, and they're a young couple. They've got young children. They have friends that have teenage type mm-hmm. age children as well. But they have been that has been such a conviction in this a lover of hospitality has been a conviction to me and um so it was just a big ouch when i came to well, this it's funny that you say that you don't extend hospitality because i actually met you through you opening your home <laughs> and extending hospitality um uh, one of those rare <laughs> moments i was obedient perhaps i don't oh, know goodness, no, years ago, i think i was pregnant yeah. with eden so it's yeah. been years ago yeah you opened your home and you mm-hmm. had a bible study and we even had meals but at that that example, that connected us in those early days. Yes, it did. More than us passing in the hallway at church and yes. getting a quick wave. Yes, yes, And all these years later, looking back to the beginning. I know. It is, it is amazing. I do think that this is an area that it, it is lacking because mm-hmm. we're busy. It is. It requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel like the more that I come to this— there are so many gospel opportunities through hospitality. We were just at a um, a conference recently, and one of the pastors was speaking kind of about this generation gap between the older and the younger mm-hmm. and how do you bridge that. Um, and we've shared on the podcast before that I do feel like there's this spirit in the younger um, that they are looking for older mentors. Right. They're realizing, okay, we don't know everything. Right. We need this. Um, but how do you bridge that gap? And he said, hospitality bridges that gap. And his charge was to the older ones to to open your home, to invite right. young families. And yes, you might have to put up, you know, your antiques that you've gotten. <laughs> and you, if you're going to have little children and young families, it it brings crumbs and it right. <laughs> might bring broken yeah. dishes. Yeah. Um, but just the richness that comes from right. that relationship. And it, it just, again, it was a reminder as I was preparing well, for this. Well, like I said, this was such a conviction for me. I get, I do at times, but it is, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle for me to do this. And so, um, you know, my prayer has been that the Lord would help me in this area mm-hmm. and that he would just, um, and, you know, it's really not a love for things as much as it is, um, inconvenience. You know, we worship the God of convenience. And I just am realizing some things in myself that are not pleasing that that need to go. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really asking the Lord to help me be obedient in this area and, and to be a lover of hospitality. And not just to do it because it's commanded, but to be yes. a lover yes. of it. And I love people and I love to talk. I love to be around people and fellowship and all of that. Um, 
but you know, it just, it's not something that comes real easy for me. Mm-hmm. So this is a prayer, you know, and just a, a, an example of how God's word, yes. um, you in the areas that you least expect it, he will illuminate deficiencies mm-hmm. or sin in your life. And uh, we have to be willing to obey mm-hmm. and do what he says to do. And so he can help me. Yeah. He can help me to be a lover of hospitality. that's exactly why we're spending a whole episode here focusing. You know, at first you move like, why are we going through this list of commands for right. the bishop? But that's exactly why. Like yes. I said, he's an example of the believers. Right. These are things that should be in our lives too. Um, continuing on, he says, a lover of good men, sober, just. We've talked about the word sober. Um, just has this idea of righteous, observing divine laws, keeping the commandments of God. We talked in the last episode, those boundaries, the Ten Commandments, God's order, um, of loving that, of keeping to those things. We touched on holy a little bit. What does mm-hmm. holy mean? Mm-hmm. It means undefiled by sin, free from wickedness, righteously observing every moral obligation, pure um, there's this idea of purity. In Revelation 15, 4, it says, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. God alone is holy. But as we are becoming more like him, as his heart becomes more like our heart, we are on this road of sanctification that we should be growing in our holiness, in our reflection of his holiness. Because as you mentioned earlier, he commands us to be holy as he is holy. So how, if he's the only holy one, how are we, is he setting us up for Mm -hmm. failure? Not at all. Mm -hmm. He's saying that that should be our heart's desire, that should be our Goal that should be what we strive toward, and in Romans one one, Paul said that he was separated mm-hmm. unto the gospel, and there's a separation that takes place. We separate from the world, but not just a separation from the world to be isolated, some sort of hermit in a cave. Mm-hmm. But we are to be separated unto the gospel. We're yes. to be about the business of our Lord and Savior, and that's what it means to strive. You know, to be holy. Mm-hmm. Then there's the word temperate. Um, in the Greek, this means mastering, controlling, curbing, restraining. Um, you know, we're working on the fruits of the Spirit with mm-hmm. our children. So this mm-hmm. word has come up. Um, I th- And all these things tie in, you know, back to the idea of being sober, being Holy Spirit controlled. We need to curb our fleshly appetites. We need to restrain our flesh and bring it under subjection to Christ. And then it ends with holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and con- to convince the gainsayers. Mm-hmm. So these gainsayers are those that would ridicule Christianity. Um, so Titus had to be a man of his word. He had to be a man of sound doctrine, of capable teaching, sound teaching, um, so that that the word of God be not blasphemed, so that the right. gainsayers, so that those who have nothing better to do than sit around and look for a way that they can demean God, that they can um, cast a negative light on God's people. Um, we, if we live these lives of, of holiness, um, that that doesn't give them any room to, to cast a shadow on our great God and the work that he's doing in his people. Right. Right. We, you know, through this whole book of Titus, there's a role for everyone to play. Mm-hmm. And we all need to play our roles. If we don't, then that's the blaspheming of God's yeah. word. That is um, 
giving these gainsayers more ammunition, if you will. And mm-hmm. so um, in order to convince them and to, to um, see change, we have to play our role. We have to do our part. Mm-hmm. Aged women have to do their part. Um, young women have to do their part. The bishop has to do their part. Um, so this whole book of Titus is really it's an instruction mm-hmm. manual um, in, in order for God's word to not be blasphemed and for there to be change and for the Isle of Crete to be um, you know, one for the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to play their part. They yes. have to do what he has commended them to do. Mm-hmm. And just wrapping this up, how do we know what our part is to play? Mm-hmm. How can we have this sound doctrine that is teaching us the way to go? We've got to stay in his word. We can't know the sound doctrine right. of God. We can't know this order unless we're reading it. And God's right. given it to us. Mm-hmm. We just have to open it up and read it and learn of him and to continue in the things that we have learned. Amen. Um, so I know this one was has just been helpful for me as take a, a little bit of a different look mm-hmm. at this list of commands for a bishop, um, but applying it to our own lives. And I think as we just continue on through this study, the Lord shows us ways that we need to become more like Him. Yes, He does. And I'm thankful for God's Word. Mm-hmm. The older I get and the more I study it, um, the more thankful I become that He has given us direction and he's he's not left us without help mm-hmm. we have the tools that we need and we have the holy spirit um to guide us in all understanding so um i'm so thankful for that mm-hmm. we're not alone and we don't have to do this alone we don't have to come up with our own way yes we just need to be obedient to the way of the lord well, do you mind to close this episode in prayer yes, for us i'd be glad to Father, again, we thank you for your word and how you change us from the inside out. You wash us with your word. And we are so thankful for uh, for your word, which guides us and directs us and teaches us um, the proper order, your proper order. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us obedient hearts, that you would give us understanding of your word, and that you would help us to um, to make the necessary changes when you show us through your word the things that need to be removed from our life or changed, I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength and the willingness to make those changes and reminding us that it is for our good and for your glory. Thank you again, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.